in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 13. This is what the word of the Lord says. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Let us pray. Father God, as we come before you and we remember your birth, your coming the first time, Let us rejoice in the treasure that is Jesus Christ. Let us revel in that story today. Mm. And let us look longingly with anticipation for your second coming. It is in Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Bruce. And as you heard him just read, we will be in Luke chapter 12 today. So if you want to put your Bibles there, you can. We are having a family service as well. And so we will not be dismissing our kids. But I will take this moment that if any of you that all crammed into that section, I know it's the closest one to the door, easiest one to get out at the end. I understand that. But you guys all kind of packed in. There are some seats over here if you'd like to to get up and move around. That's fine. Today... We are going to be doing what we call a Christmas story. We've been at at the movies now for five weeks. This is our final week of our At the Movies series, and we are doing a Christmas story. There are some kids' activity sheets out there that revolve around a Christmas story as well. But I'm not sure about you, but I have enjoyed this series. I've enjoyed this series partly because uh, part of my research is having to watch Christmas movies, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm not sure about you, but I spent a lot of time over the last five weeks filling those evenings with different movies. As a matter of fact, we watched three yesterday. We watched three yesterday. It was one of those rainy days. We didn't have to go anywhere. We didn't have to do anything. So we just put on Christmas movies and none of the football games were good anyway. So it was perfectly okay. Now, As we've done, and as we have been looking at each and every one of these movies, one of the things that I have found is that every movie that we've done over the last five weeks has had the same theme. 
And we have not done Hallmark movies to be confused with any of that because those all have the exact same thing. But what we have looked at is so many different things in these Christmas movies and ones that even we didn't choose because we could have chose so many different movies. The ones we did choose had that same theme. It was a person that was struggling with their life. A person that was struggling with Christmas. A person where, where Christmas had to be perfect and they were struggling with whether it would be or not. The movies that I watched over these last ones, every person was miserable or, or hurting, that they were lost during the Christmas season. They, they, were, they were struggling to see Christmas because they were looking at it through the wrong lens. And then something or someone happens and it changes their view on Christmas. Christmas happens and it changes their perspective. Their eyes are open to what you might call a true meaning of Christmas. I'd like to say the true meaning of Christmas, but rarely does Hollywood throw that in there. Occasionally you might see a manger. Occasionally you might see a church, but that's about as close as they're going to get with that. You will see in the movies that we talked about each of these things, though. We start off with the Grinch. That's his story. We moved into Kevin in Home Alone. That's his story. You go from there into Scrooge. That's his story. George Bailey last week. That's his story. As we begin to look at it, you can... Maybe you like the movie Elf. That's the dad story in Elf. Maybe you like Family Man, an older one that's not quite as popular with Nicolas Cage and Tia Leone. That is that story. Christmas with the Cranks. That was one of the ones we watched yesterday. That is the story, the Santa Claus. And now one of my new favorites that's out there. It's called 8-Bit Christmas. Not sure if you've seen that one. It's like a Christmas story, but in the 80s. So it's more appealing to me in that way. But that is the story. And so many of them have that same story. All of them have that same premise. And the truth is, to a degree, the story of Christmas changes lives, right? And that's the story they're trying to tell. In today's movie, as we look at a Christmas story, you're going to see that as well. And you're going to see it, but actually, that's not going to be our primary focus because I feel like we've really harped on that quite a bit for the last four weeks. Before we get to the message, though, every week we've done a little bit of trivia. So I'm going to throw out some trivia for you today. I just need the first person to raise their hands and knows the answer. I have some different candies. I'm going to tell you that um, if you want to still go get stocking stuffers from Walmart, there's none left. Uh, So that's the reason why we have regular candy, which this was almost all gone too. So, um, or we have uh, lemon head chewies or trolley sour bites because that was it. Okay, that was, and uh, so if you get those in your stocking tomorrow, know your parents want it for you today. Um, Here's the questions that we have for you. First person, raise your hands. We have five questions today. Our movie today is a Christmas story. If you have seen the movie, you know that it is a fun story about a grown man reflecting on his past in the 1940s. In that reflection, he has an obsession, a be-all, end-all of all Christmas gifts. What is the gift that he desires? What was that? A BB gun. Now, that is correct. It is a Red Ryder BB. Come on up. You can pick one of the things here. And as it's a Red Ryder BB gun... And you can have those two, any which one. Whatever one you want, you take it. Go for it. There you go. Now, with that, it's not just a BB gun, by the way. It is an official Red Ryder carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle. But BB guns suffice for the answer today. If you've also seen the movie, question number two, you also know there's a classic scene where boys dare each other to stick their tongues to a flagpole. In that, which 
character breaches etiquette and goes right for the throat in the triple dog dare. Ooh, what is it, Charlie? It's Schwartz, isn't it? Schwartz, say it. It, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you want to say it, trust me. <laughs> That's it. Come on. Henry, why don't you come up here and pick a candy out for Charlie? Or are you going for the big, big thing of Tootsie Rolls? There you go. Big thing of Tootsie Rolls. Perfect choice. All right, question number three. Ralphie, the main character, his dad, old man Parker. Wins what is called a major award. What is it? It is a leg lamp. Come on up here, Josh. I'm glad you didn't go through the full description that Ralphie gives it. I appreciate you just calling a leg lamp. That's, that, is, that is perfect. Yes, and it is fragile. Ralphie's Aunt Clara, who perpetually labors under the delusion that Ralphie's a four-year-old girl, gets him what for Christmas? Gets him what for Christmas? A pink bunny suit. Come on up here. Which one would you like? There you go, sir. This is our sticker today. Some people are like, you seriously had a shirt made with our sticker? I found a Black Friday deal. Didn't know which one was going to get here in time. I knew this was the last one, so we did a little pink bunny shirt. If you want it afterwards, you can have it. Um... <laughs> Now, this is the hardest question that we have in all of the series, in all of all of our Christmas movies, movies, in Ralphie's attempt to plant suggestive seeds to his parents on why he needs a BB gun, he comes up with an outlandish lie at breakfast. He says these words, Flick spotted what animals down by Polanski's candy shop? What animals was it that he saw that he needed a BB gun to protect the world from? Not quite. Close, though. It is a bear. Can you be more specific on the bear? They, they are brown in color, yes. It's a grizzly bear. Here you go. Yes, it is a grizzly bear. It's one of those crazy outlandish lies as he tries to do it. Even his brother in the movie is like, what was that? That was completely obnoxious of an answer. So, outside of the trivia, outside of the trivia, here's a question that I would actually like your response on. Now, not everybody can do it. Maybe you can just all shout it out at once. But here is it. Kids, or as a kid, did you have or do you have a gift that is on your list that you desperately wanted or want for Christmas? And if so, what is it? Just tell me. I heard a Ferrari in there. That's not a bad idea. Is there that thing that you desperately wanted for Christmas. Now, we started talking about that question. <laughs> now, we started talking about that question, and really, Christine, as we were talking, I couldn't think of anything that still stood out that I could go back and make a movie about 40 years later about what my life might have looked like had I gotten that gift. I was thinking through some different things. I remember um, one year I got a Huffy bike, and I didn't want a Huffy bike. I wanted a Redline or a Diamondback bike. 
Uh, and if you're my age, you know what I mean, the difference between a Huffy and a Diamondback or a Redline. But I didn't get it. And so there was that same disappointment that was out there. But even in it, I don't think I was living for it. The question, I guess, would be why? Why do those gifts make it so necessary at Christmas to make our life be, well, satisfied or, or fulfilled or those things that are going to make that gift so desirable that it has that life-changing effect on us. See, when I, I watch a Christmas story, I see myself as a kid Ralphie. Or as a kid, I see myself as Ralphie. Because as a kid, I was always imagining. My mind was always going. My mind was always thinking of something, imagining a, ser- a scenario where I got to be the hero. Whether I was the quarterback on the winning drive, whether it was bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, three on, as in bases loaded, two outs, down by three, all I had to do is hit the home run to win the big game. That was the thing that would play through my mind. Um, I'm not sure if you guys ever watched Chuck Norris um, in, in any of those kind of movies in the 80s, but if you're a dude, you wanted to be Chuck Norris. And you wanted to be that protector. You wanted to be the Delta Force guy. You wanted to have the cool gun with the, not just a BB gun, but like a full-on grenade launcher underneath. You wanted to have all of the cool things like that. And in your mind, you played those things out because you wanted to be the hero. Well, I think Ralphie's desire, I don't even think, I'm pretty sure it's obvious in the movie. His desire for the BB gun is actually rooted in his, his desire to be the protector. A hero for the family to fight off who? Do you guys know who he was fighting? Black Bart. Good. I, don't, I do have one more box of candy. Sorry. don't know who gave me the answer. He was fighting off Black Bart and his bandits with that official Red Rider carbine action 200 shot range model air rifle. But of course, the reality is, the reality was, was reality. It it, it was reality. The reality was it wasn't going to happen. I will tell you, I own a Red Ryder BB gun. You know what I'm not grabbing if somebody breaks into my house? (laughs) That is not my first choice. Um, The thing that we have to understand is the reality is it wasn't going to happen that he was going to be the protector. The only thing that was going to happen is what? He's going to shoot his eye out. Exactly. His mom tells him that. The teachers tell him that. Even Santa tells him that. And so as you begin to look at that, the reality, if you even want to take it a step further, is that gift was not going to satisfy his ultimate desire to be that protector. Even though it was a good desire, that gift wasn't going to ultimately fulfill it. And so let me say something here at the very beginning as we go further into this. As we go further into this, I'm not here to crush gift giving tomorrow or tonight if that's when you guys do your gifts. I am not here to to smash Christmas Eve. I, I am not that Scrooge because here's the truth of the matter. I like stuff. I like getting stuff. And even more so, I like watching my kids get stuff because you kind of find a joy as a parent watching your kids get stuff and see the joy on their faces. I mean, you see uh, Old Man Parker when that... Has everybody seen the movie? I don't want to spoil it just in case I say what's next. I'm not going to say what's next. You just see the joy of Old Man Parker when Ralphie gets that gift that he wants. And 
as a parent, we love that. We love that on Christmas. We love that on birthdays. We love it on days. We just like to surprise them, being able to find that joy. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful because when it comes right down to it, we have to be careful how much weight we put on stuff to satisfy. How much weight do we put on stuff to satisfy our joy as parents and their wants as kids? When, like we said, really since week one of this series, getting what you want doesn't ultimately satisfy Getting stuff you want doesn't ultimately satisfy. And when we come to that realization that stuff doesn't do that, the real question we have throughout this series is, is how do we respond? How do we respond with our lives? Do me a favor, go to that passage, Luke chapter 12, that we talked about up front, the pastor just read, it's going to be verses 13 through 21. It's commonly known as the parable of the rich fool. Commonly known as the parable of the rich fool. And if you open up there, and as you open up there, This is what that parable will give us. It's going to give us a reality check. And what might even be a painful reality check, and that reality check, unfortunately, is coming on the day before Christmas. It wasn't my choice to do Christmas story. It was a necessity because TBS does it all day long today, so I figured it would just all fit together. Here's what I want to do as we put this out there and we dive deeper. I want to make sure that you understand this passage does not condemn stuff. It does not condemn money. It doesn't condemn being rich. It doesn't condemn even being, as the Old Testament would definitely say, and even still today, when you have stuff that you're considered blessed by God. It's not a condemnation of that. What Jesus is calling out in this passage and in this parable is our attitudes and our actions towards the blessings that we have. And so this is what it says in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. And I'll give you a little bit of a background here because Jesus is in the middle of actually teaching. If you read all of Luke chapter 12, he's teaching about the wonders of God. He's teaching about fearing God. He's teaching about acknowledging Christ. And out of nowhere, out of the crowd, this guy blurts out, hey, I need you to get in the middle of me and my brother and tell him to give me my money completely out of place, completely out of everything. So this is what we read in verse 13. Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, he said to him, Who appointed me a judge and arbitrator over you? So again, he's talking about something completely different. This guy comes in and completely interrupts something that doesn't even really matter. Teachers, any teachers in here ever had that happen in class? Parents, you're telling him one thing, something completely off the wall comes out the other side. I think we can get where Jesus is at. And he's like, hey, who made me the arbitrator or judge over you? And then that leads him to say what would be the central verse of chapter 12. Central verse of all of chapter 12. He said this in verse 15. He then told them, them, not him, by the way, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Then he told him a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do? Since I don't have anywhere to store my crops. I'll do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? 
That's how it will be with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Following that passage, Jesus actually throws in a therefore. Next verse. Therefore, he's talking to the disciples. He says, therefore, and then he begins to teaching them about not worrying. He says, don't worry. He says, don't be anxious. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. And then he closes that overall passage of all of chapter 12 with the words that you probably hear a lot when he talks about money. And it was this, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. All of those things hinge on verse 15. And from the looks of it, if you're ever like, why does Jesus talk so much about money? Well, this particular passage is because some guy interrupted him. Some guy interrupted him. He interrupted him and says, hey, tell my brother to give me my money. I need more stuff, Jesus, and I need you to tell my brother to give it to me. In ancient times, the firstborn, the firstborn male, excuse me, was guaranteed a double portion of the inheritance. So more than likely in this passage, the brother who is coming is not the firstborn male. He's set to get a third while the brother gets two-thirds. And really, the brother gets two-thirds and everybody else gets to split up that third. So he might not even get a third. And he didn't like that much. So he goes and says, Jesus, I need you to tell me something. I need you to help me out here. And Jesus says, who made me the judge to deal with your physical family issues? Why in the world would you come to me? He's like, that is not my concern. That is not why I put on flesh is to help judge your family issues. But I will tell you what my concern is. You know what it was? His greed. His greed was the problem. And he, by your greed, when he says it, it is your by all of you. That's why he told the parable to all of them and not just pulled the guy aside and said, here, come here, let me tell you a little story. It was to everybody about that life was so much more than just gathering wealth or gathering stuff. And that's the reason why Jesus says one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. So let's take a little deeper dive into that verse 15. That verse 15 says, he told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed. Or as Pastor Bruce's uh, translation says, all forms of greed. Because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus starts with the word watch out and be on guard, which both, by the way, are present tense words. Meaning we need to continually do it. It's an all the time thing. You must always be on guard. You must always be watching out for all kinds of greed in your life. Now, when we look at that word, all kinds of greed, what does that even mean? What falls in the category of all kinds of greed? Well, some translations actually say the word covetousness or to covet. Now, to covet is to have a strong desire to acquire more and more of something, a strong desire to get more of what you don't have or to get something that you don't have. And that can really be just about anything, by the way. It's not just money. It's not just stuff. It could be relationships. It could be status. It could be any of those things. I'm sure you could figure it out. But there's another word that's a synonym for covetousness or greed. And that word is avarice. It's not a word that we use often. I don't use it really ever. I had to look and go, oh, hey, look at that. That all kind of ties together. How weird is that? Because that word, even though we don't use it, is actually found in a quote on a Christmas story. It's adult Ralphie. If you've seen the movie, you know that, that he has kind of a poetic way of describing the scene 40 years later. And in that, he says these words describing Christmas and the scene that was that day. He says, it was officially Christmas. We plunged into the cornucopia, 
quivering with desire and the ecstasy of unbridled avarice. Now, I don't normally break down a quote from a movie, but listen to what he is saying here. He says, we plunged into, which is to dive, to go head first, to go crazy into it, into the cornucopia. Again, a word we don't use often unless it's Thanksgiving. Abundance of something. A great supply. So we plunged into this great supply, quivering with desire and ecstasy of unbridled avarice. Now, just picture that for a second. Picture that on Christmas morning, literally shaking with uncontrollable greed for all the stuff we're going to get. Anybody ever been there as a Christmas kid? You better believe it. You know why we can't sleep? Because we're too excited to sleep. We're ready to get going. That's why people can't wait till Christmas morning. We got to do a Christmas Eve because who needs one more night of sleep till we dive in? That's the mentality that, that we have. And, and as we look at it, I, I just think it's weird that Jesus says we need to watch out and be on guard against that. Why would he say that? I mean, is he trying to be Scrooge or something? Is he trying to ruin Christmas for all of us? Or is he simply reminding us that life in itself, physical life, life on earth, is about more than just Christmas morning? I think that's the reason why he tells the parable. The parable again says a rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? Well, I'll do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones and store up all my grain and all my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, be merry, enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, you fool. This very night, your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And that's how it will be with one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So what's the picture here? The picture is you have a farmer who has been materially blessed by God. He, he is a plentiful, productive field. And God blesses him. And he continues to bless him. And as he continues to bless him, instead of this farmer using the blessings that he has to bless others, which we'll get to, he instead wants to bless himself. He continues to focus on himself. Now, we talked about it last week. Maybe you remember. But we said these words. It's not about you. This life is not about you. And we'll get to that here in a minute. But the farmer wants to build bigger barns. He wants to build bigger things in which in and of itself as I've already said it's not the problem because we set it up front the blessing whether it be grain or barns or money or anything like that that is not the problem the problem comes when our attitudes and actions towards those things don't point back to God uh, had a conversation this week somebody had asked me about us having a building campaign and kind of what the point was the point for us is not to have something bigger, just to have something bigger. It's to point back towards God, it's to be able to do ministry in, in a different way and in a new and better way. To be able to, to uh, reach out to our special needs community in a better way. Because unfortunately, this building just isn't exactly built for that. I would love to be able to do that, to be able to reach out to more people. I don't want to just build something so we have more butts and seats. That doesn't matter to me. I want to be able to invest in people's lives who will go invest into other people's lives. That is why we are doing that. It's not about the bigger barn. It's about the attitude and action of that bigger barn that we have. 
So let me just take another quick little side trail here for a second and mention this. I'll say it again, things are not bad. Money is not bad. Money in and of itself is simply a piece of metal or a piece of paper. The only reason why those pieces of metal and piece of paper get our attention is because our culture has established that these, excuse me, these pieces of paper and pieces of metal will function as, as currency. So therefore, they represent value. Those pieces of paper, those pieces of metal are significant to us because we exchange them for what we value. We exchange them for what we value. What you do with your money shows what you value in your heart. I believe Matt, uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 34 says exactly that. For example, we value life. So we give money for food and for drink and for the necessities to sustain that life. You value education. So we give money for books and tuitions. And if you get a scholarship, it's because you've invested another thing that is valuable, time to do well to earn that scholarship. We value entertainment, so we give money to things that entertain us. And my hope is, is that you value God and His church, so we give money to spread the gospel and support the ministry of the church. Now, the movement of money shows the movement of our heart, and you exchange money for what you value. You exchange money for what you treasure. Again, money is not the problem. Our attitude towards it and our actions with it will determine if money is a help or a hindrance. It's a help if it shows that we put God first. It's a hindrance if it shows that God is not first. That's where we find ourselves. But if we go back to that parable, he has an abundance, a cornucopia. And that cornucopia is a hindrance. Why is it a hindrance? Well, he focuses on himself. What? To do what? To eat, to drink, to take care of himself, to be merry, to pleasure himself. There's a whole lot of, matter of fact, if you count them, I think there's eight in that passage of eyes and mice. It's all about me. The problem is the same thing that we talked about last week. What's the point? All for what? The passage tells us that God says to him, you fool, which is not a good term to be called by God. He says, you're going to die tonight. And all that blessing that you have, all that thing that you've held on to is going to go to people who don't care about it as much as you did. As a matter of fact, most things that get inherited either get sold, a couple of heirlooms that will get kept, but for the most part, they don't care. All they want is the money. Kind of kept that full circle thing going. In Ecclesiastes 2.18, actually Solomon says something similar as he was talking about the meaninglessness of life. He says this, I hated all my work that I labored at under the sun because I must leave it to the one who comes after me. The parable reinforces the command to be on guard, to watch out, to don't let this life be the thing that is all revolved around stuff. And if you jump over to Matthew 6, 24, when Jesus is talking about money there too in the Sermon on the Mount, he basically says, if money is your master, if money is the thing that's going to make you do all the decisions you got, then God isn't. And that's a problem. So what do we do? How do we be on guard? How do we watch out? Well, I think step one is found in those two phrases. It's about watching. It's about being on guard or being on the lookout. And it's the same kind of thing we talked about last week. It's focus or vision. What is your focus? What is your vision? Last week, I showed you this chart. And this was what we called an attunement chart. 
And this was more about ministry in a church, but this, this attunement chart can also fall into your vision for your life. And I do want to just take a moment um, and apologize for something I said last week as I went through this. Because last week I talked about that pirate. And I said, you're a pirate if you're not in line with my vision. And I was incorrect in saying those words. I didn't mean it that way. I meant the vision that God has given this church which is also my vision, but it's not my vision primarily. So I apologize for that, and I just wanted to clarify that. But if you take this chart into personal evaluation rather than church evaluation, what is your vision? What is your focus? What is the direction of your life? Where is it going, and how are you going to get there? Because if you're clear on it, and you're contributing towards it, you're crewing it. But, there's an entire possibility this world trying to pirate what you're doing, trying to take you away from what God has called you to. I say this, and there's an old phrase that's out there, but it's this. It says, we're all headed somewhere. We might as well get there on purpose. How do we get there on purpose? Well, you know the vision, and you contribute to it. So I think if you answer these questions, this, this question of what is life to you, I think it's the same kind of thing with a twist as we talked about last week of why am I here in the first place? And really, two options, just like last week. Either you're rich towards self or you're rich towards God. That's what you're going to do with your life. What is life to you? Rich towards self or rich towards God? So let's look at self first. Self. Is life just the accumulation of wealth and position or possessions to make you happy for a moment? Have you heard what our culture tells you about money and stuff? Have you heard what they they say? Culture is going to tell you that if you have money, you are good. If you don't, or even if worse, if you lose it, you lose a very big part of what life should be. If you lose it or don't have it, you lose a very big part of what it could be. Do you realize how big money is in your life, says the world? Do you realize that money is your life, says culture? The only way to have life the only way to have life is to have money and stuff. I really think that's the reason why the brother, excuse me, interrupted Jesus. Because all he could think about when Jesus was talking about fearing God and acknowledging Christ, all he could think about was, is that's not my life. This over here is my life, this money thing. And that's why he interrupts. You know, I was listening to uh, Christmas music on 99.5 the other day. Um, the Christmas music station for Albuquerque. And on it, uh, if you listen, you know that John Tesh uh, interrupts on occasion with different stories. And the story he interrupted with this week was a story about the car you drive. And there's studies out there that say people will view you based on the car that you drive. Their views of you are determined by that car. The nicer the car, the higher you are regarded in society. Now, I thought this was funny because I was driving Maley's uh, car, a 2003 Ford Taurus, um, that isn't exactly perfect. And as I'm driving, I'm thinking to myself, as people are going by me, what do they think about me right now? What are those people valuing me as? somebody who dropped out of high school and uh, just wasn't able to afford blah blah you know, whatever things might be going through their head it's not like I put my master's degree on the window and said no 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 seriously I, I'm, I'm far more educated than you think <laughs> but what are they thinking of me what do they think of us 
Why in the world would they think that way? Well, it's because the culture's told them that's the way to think. That's why Jesus says in verse 15, watch out and be on guard against all kinds of greed because one's life is not based on the car you drive. It's not based on the abundance of our possessions. So Jesus says, what the culture's telling you is a lie. Your money is not your life. Your stuff is not your life. Your inheritance is not your life. Your BB gun is not your life. That thing that you want is not your life. And even worse, Jesus doesn't say, these aren't just not your life. They're also going to steal your life from you. They're going to steal what God has for you if you focus on that. As a matter of fact, 1 Timothy 6, 9 says these words. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmless desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. Again, it's not about the things. It's about our attitude and our action towards those things that are the problem. Trust me when I say this. I completely understand the feelings and thoughts that if I have a lot of things, that's going to equal joy. If I have a lot of things, that's going to equal life. I mean, as I was thinking about this message yesterday, I was also on Craigslist and I saw a 1996 Ford Bronco that I sent a picture over to Christian and said, man, that'd be so much better than a 2003 Ford Taurus. People would actually respect me if I was driving that. It's got a 5.8 liter 351 Windsor in that bad boy. They will respect me or if they don't, I will take them out. That, that, is, that is the thinking that was in my brain as I was looking at it. But at the same time, I'd probably have to get a payment on it. And I don't have a payment on the other car. And there's all this, you know, like financial Dave Ramsey stuff that goes through your head. And you're like, oh, Dave, shush. Shush, don't talk to me in my ear like that. I know it's the day before Christmas. I know I've already spent all my money. But don't we do that sometimes? I, I do it. And Jesus says that mentality, that feeling alive is not real. Actually, Jesus tells us in John 17, 3, what life actually is. It's not stuff. He actually says this. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one and only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. You want to know what life is? It's knowing God. You want to know what life is? It's found in Jesus Christ, period. That's it. As we walk into the Christmas season, thinking that these gifts might do something, Gifts are great, but they're not life. He says the people that think that are fools. The farmer got mixed up in what he thought life was. He was called a fool. And again, understand, he wasn't a fool for having a plentiful harvest. He wasn't a fool for being a good farmer. We are considered fools for having a prospering business or, or making good investments or working well to receive a promotion and a pay raise. The fool part comes in with what? Our response. Our attitude and our action. It says, you fool this very night, your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. The fool focuses on self. The other focus is on God. Rich towards self or rich towards God. Well, what's it mean to be rich towards God? Well, I would just have to say the easiest answer is it's the opposite of being rich towards self. Because that's kind of what Jesus says here. That's who it is with the one who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. According to that last verse, it's that person who stores up stuff for himself. It means our focus 
in our life, if we're going to be rich towards God, that we will begin to focus on Him, acting as if life isn't about my stuff and acting as if life were about God because that's what it is about. That my stuff is just a tool that God can use to glorify Himself in and through my life. Being rich towards God is our heart being drawn towards God and His riches. It's moving closer to him and further from the lies that the world is going to continue to feed you. It means earthly riches that we have and those earthly riches are more than money. It is that status. It is those relationships. It is the stuff. It is all of those things. Those earthly riches we can use to show how much we value God. We're not blessed to hoard. We are blessed by God to bless others. Probably one of my favorite Christmas songs that is an unpopular Christmas song, not one that's played on the radio, not even on K-Love and things like that, is by Casting Crowns. And it's, is there room in your heart, is what it's called. And maybe you've heard it, but it says these words, is there room in your heart for God to write a story? You can come as you are, but it may set you apart. And these next ones are the ones where, that really set me every time I hear it. When you make room in your heart and trade your dreams for His glory. When you trade your dreams for His glory. How many things do we hold on to thinking, this dream is my life. This is the focus of everything. And He says, trade that away for God's glory. Trade that away for God's glory. God, it's all yours. You have made my fields prosper. You have given me a life I don't deserve. You have to be the one who gives me the strength to let go of the things that I grasp in this hand for the world because when I let go of that, it leaves my hand open so I can grasp and hold on to you. What are you holding on to? What do you hold on to that defines your life? I told you step one was the how. Figure out your focus. Step two is basically this. It's do something. Do something. Don't let the world try and pirate your life. To steer your ship in a direction that God would not have it to go. Culture is trying to try and muddy that vision for you. To lead you off track. Even in the church. Even in the church. What is the goal of the church? Is the goal of the church you? Is the goal of the church me? Or is the goal of the church Christ? Christy sent me a copy of a... um, conversation on Facebook that was in a a mom's group that she's in. Somebody asked in Rio Rancho where they could find a good church. They said, we have a, I can't remember exactly the word. I think it was a diverse family, something along those lines. I was Lutheran. My husband worships Norse gods. My daughter is non-binary and my son is asking, my nine-year-old son is asking questions about who God is. I'm like, ooh, well, good luck with that. Because that's, that's a jumbled mess. That's the best way I can put it. And we started reading the comments. Christy sent me the comments. And one of them was a very popular church here in the Rio Rancho area. And the answer was, you should come to our church. We don't really use the Bible that much. And I went... <laughs> <laughs> and then another one was a universal Unitarian. Hey, we grab all the things from from Buddhism and Christianity and Mormonism and Jehovah's, we grab whatever works best and that's how we do it. So you should come to our church. And I'm like, that's not what it's about. How you feel isn't what it's about. How it it makes you happy and it fits all of your needs is not what it's all about. It's about Jesus. 
and using your life for him, period. That's why we exist. That's what we talked about last week. That's what we'll talk about this week. Stick to that vision. Stick to that goal because God has laid it out there for us to know him and to make him known. That's it. That's why we are here. Now, I tell you all that and get all ramped up and happy about what's coming because the next movie that came after A Christmas Story was A Christmas Story Christmas. Came out just a couple of years ago. And in that movie, it was all of the characters had basically become adults. It's not nearly as funny. It's more sentimental to watch. I still like it. I still still think it's, it's a fun one to watch. But in it, it says this. The adult Ralphie character says these words. When you're a kid, all you want for uh, all you want is the perfect Christmas gift. When you're a parent, all you want is for Christmas to be perfect. Sounds like even 30 years later in a different movie that Ralphie came to that idea of what Christmas is all about. But I guess the question even in that saying is what makes Christmas perfect? Let me tell you what the perfect Christmas is. The perfect Christmas is not found in the gifts. It's not found in a snowy morning, which again will elude me. It's not found in the stuff that's under the tree, but it's going to be found in the gift that was given that we celebrate. It is found in Jesus Christ and how the gift that was given by the Father was one given so that we might know Him. That is where we find the perfect Christmas. It's found in the people that are around that tree that God has put us put into our lives to help us in this life's journey. Because here's the truth of the matter. One that was even... As we were watching 8-Bit Christmases, they said this last night. We only get so many Christmases. We only get so many Christmases. Invest them in the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for who you are. And thank you for what you continue to do, even through movies. You speak to us in ways to help us to understand that, God, this is the human culture. That desire for something more. That desire for a BB gun that eventually becomes whatever other thing that we think might satisfy. God, help us see the vision that you've given to us. The vision that shows us that it is not about the stuff, but it's instead about you. It's not about all of the gifts, but the ultimate giver who gave us the ultimate gift in Jesus Christ. Help us to live our lives in such a way that it glorifies you in that. We even pray that tomorrow, as we open those gifts, we are reminded consistently and constantly that again, the reason why we come around that tree is to celebrate and glorify you. May you have all the glory in our lives. We pray it all in your name. Amen.